If you'll join me now in turning in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. The Gospel of Luke and chapter 8. Today we're going to look at one of the parables that our Lord gave about the seed and uh, the soil's response to the seed, which is the Word of God. This is one of the few parables that Jesus interprets for us so that we, we don't miss the point. And uh, so I'm going to read beginning in verse 4. And then I'll also read through the interpretation. Now when you think about the Word of God and the responses to the Word of God, Jesus says to us there are really four ways people respond to the Gospel. Four ways that people respond to the Word of God. Now when you think about the Word of God, you think about Scriptures. Uh, you think about the Bible. But the living Word of God is Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. So we have uh, here in the Scriptures the retelling of the story of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this living Word about Him is called the Gospel. And when you share the Gospel of Jesus with people, they will respond in one of four ways. Let's consider those four responses to Jesus. When a great multitude were coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. <clears throat> and other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I pray that today you and I will listen very carefully to the interpretation of this parable. His disciples began to question him as to what this parable might be. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, in order that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. That is a quote from the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And those beside the road are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing or temptation, they fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. And the seed on the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and a good heart 
and hold it fast and bear fruit with patience or perseverance. Four ways that people respond to Jesus. Now, the problem is not in the Word of God. The problem is not the gospel. The problem is how we receive the gospel. The Word of God, when implanted in our heart, is transformational. You're changed. You're different. When you receive Christ in your life and you receive and listen to the Word of God being implanted in your heart, He changes you. He changes you. But we so often miss the great meaning and the depth of this change because we do not mix it with faith. We do not mix it with perseverance and faithfulness to God. And so there are four responses that are mentioned here. Not because the Word of God is inadequate, but because our responses, responses, three out of the four, are inadequate. The first response, and if you'll follow along in your outline, I use a, a T for each one of these four, we might call a tempered response. A tempered response. Jesus says it this way in verse 12. These are those by the road who have heard, and then the devil comes and he takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Of course, the word tempered means hard or hardened response to the gospel. There are many, many people who hear the word of God and say, that's not for me. There are many people who will hear the gospel and say, that's not for me. Last Sunday, I, when I was preaching, I encouraged you to give people an opportunity to respond and to be saved when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, anything but a yes is a no. Anything but a yes is a no. We have hundreds of creative ways of rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have hundreds of inventive ways to say kindly, no thank you, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for some reason it soothes our conscience because we're, we don't think we're saying no, but we really are saying no. What do I mean by that? Some people, when they hear the gospel of Jesus, will say, well, not today, but later. That's a no. Anything but a yes is a no. Not today, some other time. Other people, when they hear the gospel, they will say, uh, when I get my act together, then I'll believe. And I'll go forward, and I'll be baptized, but first, let, let, let me get my act together. Uh, let me get things right. Well, that's a no. Because the truth of the matter is, you're delaying the obvious. The only way you're going to be right with God is when you receive Jesus Christ into your life and say, Lord, forgive me and make me justified before the Father. It is the presence of the risen Christ in your life that makes you right with God. You cannot make yourself right with God. You just can't do it. You don't have the ability. And so to say when you hear the gospel, when I get Mac together, when I get everything right, when I put away those things that are tempting me and are holding on to me, when I put those things away, then I'm going to get saved. 
And the truth is, you'll never put those things away. You're holding on to them because they give you some kind of false assurance. They, they give you some kind of feeling of being in control of your own life. And the truth is, as we may dream and think that we are in control of our destiny, we are not. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we find this creative way of saying no by saying, well, I'll wait until I get my act together. Others say no by saying, uh, when I feel it. You ever heard that one? I'm not ready to be saved because I don't feel it yet. And my response to that uh, way of saying no to the gospel is simply, God is not waiting for you to feel His salvation. Uh, God wants you to simply receive His salvation. The time to decide to say yes to the gospel of Jesus is when you know you need to. Once you know you are lost, once you know that your sin needs to be forgiven and you stand before God guilty, that's the time to be saved. When you know you need to be saved. Anything but a yes is a no. I hear other people say, um, whenever uh, my spouse starts coming to church, then I'm going to get saved. But I'm waiting for my spouse first. I'm waiting for my spouse to uh, start coming. And then when my spouse starts coming, then I'm going to join in and I'm going to be saved. Well, you know, really your spouse is waiting on you. Your spouse is waiting on you. Because those of you who know that you need Jesus in your life and you know you're lost and you know you need to be saved, today is the day of salvation. You cannot hide behind somebody else and be saved. You cannot wait on someone else because you're putting the blame on them and it's not their fault. It's not their responsibility for you to be saved. It's your responsibility to respond to the gospel and say, yes, I want Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. One great theologian explained to me one day the, the great doctrine of election. And Baptists have always um, uh, debated about this doctrine of election. And it really goes like this, kind of boils down to this. The devil said no to you, and God has said yes to you. Which will you choose? That's election. It's your choice. Satan has said no to you. He is trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. He's lying to you. He's trying to take away your joy. He doesn't want you to be saved. He wants you to spend eternity in hell with him. And according to the parable that Jesus gave of the rich man who died and woke up in hell, according to that teaching, nobody in hell wants you to come there. Nobody in hell says, I wish my friends would be here. In fact, they sent a message back to say, Tell my brother that this place is awful, that this place is horrible, this place is painful, this place is terrible. We are isolated from God. Please send word to my brother that he'll be, surely he will be saved. 
And Jesus responded, if one were to even rise from the dead, would your brother believe? It's not your brother's responsibility for you to be saved. So why are you waiting on somebody else? To say I'm waiting on somebody else is a nice way of saying no thank you. It is one of the many tempered responses to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is your creative way of saying no? Which excuse are you hiding behind? Maybe I've not named yours. Maybe I have named yours. But there is a reason that you're saying no. And it could simply be that uh, you, you don't want to be singled out. And Jesus challenges you and me to say, I'm, not, I'm willing to not be ashamed of Jesus. I'm willing to stand before the world and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I'll take the consequences that come with that. If any man will come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and come and follow me. So what excuse are you hiding behind? Whatever it is, it's keeping you from eternal life. Why would you let that one little excuse keep you from eternal life in heaven? There's a second kind of response here. It begins with a T also. And I call it the temporary response. And I've seen this a lot. I've seen people come to Jesus, get baptized, sit on the front row for two or three Sundays, and you never see them again. What's that about, Rote? That's called a... T I don't mean... I'm not saying that you are one of those, brother. I, I, your faithfulness has been demonstrated quite well. Let me move over here. Maybe there's somebody else I can pick on here in this area. Verse 13 said, Those are the rocky... Those are on the rocky soil, and when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in times of testing, they fall away. Now, I know the question that comes to Baptists is, there is something we believe in very dearly called the eternal security of the believer. And that is a very simple teaching of the Scriptures that by grace we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ and once saved, what? Always saved. You believe that? Raise your hand. I do. I'm raising my hand. See, I, I believe that. But I believe that once you're saved, you're going to serve. Once you're saved, you're going to make sacrifices. Once you're saved, you're going to want the world to know and you're not going to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. One of the most exciting uh, responses or invitations I've ever seen in my life is the most challenging invitation I've ever seen, and that was a student camp. Um, I joined with our students at Parkland at Jonathan Creek, and the guy that preached, preached one of the best sermons I believe I've ever heard on the book of Acts. And uh, he just expounded the scriptures, and I thought, this guy has been studying a long time. So after the session was over, I asked him, I said, um, uh, surely you have a Ph.D. from somewhere. And he looked at me and he said, I've never been to seminary. I said, do what? Yeah, he said, I've never been to seminary. I said, well, you preach with the most uh, wise understanding of Scripture I have ever heard. You are truly gifted of God. 
And here's how he gave the invitation. He said to the students in that gymnasium, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you know that without Christ you're lost and you're bound for hell and you want to be saved, I'm inviting you to just stand up right now. And those students began to stand up one at a time. And then he said, while we sing this hymn, I want you to come forward and receive counseling from, from our counselors. And those students came forward. That's the most challenging uh, invitation I have ever received in my life. I had a guy one time in our church, every evangelist went to visit him. Y'all got one of those at Akron Baptist Church? He's been lost all these years. And every time they had an evangelist come to town, they'd say, now you need to go visit down the road. Um, can't remember his first name now. Huh? Don't call his name. Um, but every evangelist that came to town, we had to go visit this guy. And the evangelist that I was with that time told me, he said, now when we go make this visit, he said, I'm going to give the invitation." And he said, when I give the invitation, it's going to be real quiet. And he said, you're not to say a word. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's going to be in you to want to rescue him and try to talk. And, he, and it's up to him to respond. So when I give the invitation, you don't say a word. He said, now we may be there 20 minutes. I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, yeah. So here we went, just down the road from the parsonage. We pulled in, and the gentleman kindly invited us into the house. He'd been through this routine before. Evangelist comes to the house, shares the gospel, and he just outweights him. And that's exactly what happened. And we gave the invitation. If you're ready to receive Christ as your Savior and your Lord, would you just pray this prayer with us right now? Would you be willing to do that? Yes or no? And the guy sat there for 20 minutes and waited us out. 20 minutes is a long time. Several years later, this guy came to church all by himself one Sunday. And he couldn't say no anymore. And when they gave the invitation to that church, he went forward and gave his life to Christ. You see, he lived right down the road from the church. He had seen the worst times in that church. He wanted to make sure that he wasn't just joining the church. You ever heard that phrase? I joined the church last Sunday. We had a lady in my church in Louisville. She went home after church, and she was just beaming and smiling, and her husband said, you joined church today, didn't you? And she said, yeah, I did. We baptized her. And she remained faithful to the Lord. So many people will make yes decisions for Jesus, but they don't stay with it. The Bible says here, when times of trying and temptation come along. Now the word for trial and the word for temptation is the same word in the New Testament. It depends on the context as to how you translate it. Is this a trial test or is this a temptation test? Both of those are ways of discovering who you really are. And the, the devil will have a way of putting you in, on the fence and say, make up your mind. 
Are you going to follow me and be faithful, or are you not? I used to think being in the military was certainly an environment and a context that would, that would test you know, your faithfulness uh, to the Lord. Because um, there are so many uh, temptations, there are so many uh, ways that, that you can hide out and uh, don't want your buddies to know that you're really saved and that you're a Christian because it's really tough. It's really tough. But I found also in that environment, you really are or you really not. You'll find out during those testing times whether you really are or you're really not saved. So is your response to the gospel a simple yes? And if it is, please know that you're going to have testing times. But when those testing times comes, here's the good news. The Lord Jesus has been right where you are. Was Jesus ever tested with lust? Yes, he was. Was Jesus ever tested to tell a a lie or a fib? Yes, he was. Was Jesus ever tested with what I'm going through right now? Yes, he was. And the good news is, he endured the temptation, he endured the test, and he provides for us a way of escape, the Bible says. Just be faithful to Him. He'll show you a way of escape. And if you fail, you're not a failure. He will bring you out of the ditches of life that you fall in because following Jesus is like walking down a very narrow road, Jesus said. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And it is the grace of God that keeps us out of the ditches and back up on the road, and we walk under the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. That's the good news when you fail, and you will many times. It is the Holy Spirit of God that grabs you out of that ditch and says, Let's take one more step together. Let's just take one more step together. A temporary response. The third response to the gospel is so often more common than the others. Verse 14 says, The seeds which fell among the thorns, these are the ones that have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked, with the worries and the rituals and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. We might call this the temporal response, the worldly temporal response. The Bible says, love not the world nor the things in the world. Because if you love this world, this world is passing away. If the object of your affections are the things of this world, please know there will come a day when they won't work for you. There will come a day when you will lose those things and you will have to give those things up. Be careful of this temporal response. So often we talk about Christians being comfortable. And we hear a a challenge to step up and serve, and we say, well, I'm just not comfortable doing that. Well, I'm here to tell you, crosses are not comfortable, are they? Crosses are painful. And uh, if we're to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, there are going to be some days and some challenges in our life that are not comfortable. 
God calls us to go with Him out of our comfort zones. So that we will learn to love Him more than the world in which we live. Now, I love my stuff. And I'm always spending money trying to get more stuff. And I've learned that the more stuff I have, the more stuff it takes to keep that stuff and manage it. It's just pain. It really is. I love my Microsoft Flight Simulator. And on days when I can't get out and fly, I get on my computer and I fly my Microsoft Flight Simulator. I just go all over the world with that thing. Well, that wasn't enough. I had to have the upgrade. And I began to download the upgrade, and my computer wouldn't handle it. It was so... It was so complicated. And I had to beg Microsoft to give me a credit on my credit card so that I could get refunded for that Microsoft Flight Simulator that I had. And I had to go through all this process and uh, all these uh, forms and all this stuff. And I thought, you know, the more stuff you have, the more stuff it takes to keep up with it. And it's just a pain. God has called us to the life of simplicity in discipleship. Remember what he told the disciples last Sunday when we were reading there in that passage? Uh, he said to them, don't, don't take a whole lot of stuff with you. Go light. Travel light. And the reason we travel light is that we don't um, uh, love this world so much that we can't give up some things and go with God. Because when God calls you to go with Him, you need to be ready to go. Your luggage needs to be packed, and you need to be ready to move. You need to, make, need to be ready to make changes in your life so that you can adjust to where God wants you to be and to be doing. But for a lot of people, we have so accumulated so much stuff in this world that in order to serve the Lord freely, uh, we can't make those sacrifices because it's too painful to give up that stuff. That stuff is a false security. That stuff is a false security. It will not save you. There are no U-Haul trailers behind hearses. And there are none in heaven. You won't always have that stuff. Now let's look at the last response. And I call this a total response. This is the all-in response. And I've heard some of you use that phrase here, and I'm so glad to hear that, that you would say, I'm all in with Jesus. If you can say, I'm all in with Jesus, would you just say amen? Amen. I'm all in with Jesus, best I know how. The seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in honest and a good heart. That simply means we're not fooled, by the temptations that are going to come. We're not going to be uh, distracted by things that come our way. We, we have an open and an honest mind about what we're getting into. This road of discipleship calls for sacrifices, and I'm willing to do that because the one who died for me and called me on this road of salvation sacrificed everything he had for me. And so I'm willing to sacrifice for him a good and an honest heart. And hold it fast and bear fruit with patience. These are the believers who remain faithful to the Lord. Now friends, I mentioned uh, Sandy Patty. And uh, Melissa sang better than Sandy Patty, I, I do believe. 
But Melissa, when we get to heaven, God's not going to ask you, why were you not like Sandy Patty? He's not going to ask you that. When I was first called to preach, Dr. Billy Graham was the great evangelist, you know. And um, every pastor that didn't have a strong identity tried to get up and imitate Dr. Billy Graham. And they had that Billy Graham inflection in their sermons. I often wondered, where does that come from? And when I went to Georgia, I found out where it came from. There's a, there's a culture going north to south up there that runs from Georgia up to South Carolina that these folks talk. And if you just hold your finger on your front lip right here, you can talk like Billy Graham. And all these young preachers want to sound like Dr. Billy Graham. When I get to heaven, God's not going to ask me, why won't you like Billy Graham? He's not going to ask me, why weren't you like Moses? He's going to ask you, why weren't you like Tom Curry? Because I created you, and I made you uniquely to be my servant, my faithful servant, in this world. Nobody else walks the road that you walk. Nobody else is gifted like you're gifted. Nobody else has been called to do what you're called to do. I've called you to be faithful. That's what it means to live without shame. You ever go home and your people remind you of the things you did when you were a kid and you just hate going back because they can't forget what you did when you was a kid. We live in such a shame-based world. We love to shame ourselves and shame others. But God didn't call us to a life of shame. He called us to a life of service and freedom. And that simply means being faithful. And it is in our faithfulness that God is glorified and good works are multiplied through our lives. Nobody else can do what you do. Nobody else is called to be who you are. You are uniquely God's gifted servant. Don't be ashamed of that. Serve with your uniqueness. Serve with your giftedness. And let God multiply your effectiveness again and again and again. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to respond to the gospel. And Lord, I've seen it so many times. So many people are saying no in creative ways. And I pray that today will be a day we say yes to the gospel. We say yes to giving our life to Christ. And I pray that today this somebody will come and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus, and I want to follow through in believer's baptism. I want to be saved. I pray they'll make that total commitment, not holding back, but going forward in faith and perseverance, 
to fulfill the mission that you have called each of us to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.